All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got my buddy, Neil Lamb. And Neil and I actually have never hunted together. We went to college together, and it wasn't until probably a few years after college that I discovered he was into hunting and fishing and other outdoor recreational activities. And so um, I got to hop on a Zoom call with him, hear a little bit about his history in the outdoors, what he's doing now, and he's lived all over the place. And so to hear the different things that he's pursued in the different states that he's lived in was pretty cool. So I hope you all enjoy this. I do want to apologize. Uh, The service wasn't great when we recorded this online. And so for some reason, there's a bunch of choppy parts, um, spots where you can't fully make out the words. And so I do apologize for that. I will have Neil on again, and hopefully um, next time it will be better service. And so we're going to jump right into this one. I hope you all enjoy. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. Uh, All right, guys, welcome to the Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast, and I am on with a friend of mine, Neil Lamb, and Neil and I, we went to college together. That's like 12 years ago now, something like that. Over a decade. Oh my gosh, that does not seem okay. Anyways, uh, we, we went to college together, and when I lived out in Colorado, I just saw you post one day, like an outdoorsy picture catching trout, I think, somewhere. And I was like, dude, I didn't even know you were you were an outdoorsman. I didn't know you fished or hunted or anything. And you're like, yeah, yeah absolutely, man. I'm actually coming out to Colorado soon. I was like, dude, how how did I not know any of this? I need to connect and start hunting. And then just the other day, you came to mind again because I saw an Instagram post of you with a turkey. And yeah. I was like, geez, I got to get this guy on the podcast and chat. And then even above and beyond all that, get out on a hunt with you at some point. Yeah, man. So um, why don't we start out by uh, you kind of introducing yourself, what you do, um, and a little bit of background of how you got into hunting. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, like Dan said, my name's Neil and uh, grew up here in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, kind of the outskirts of Charlottesville and grew up, I mean, my dad got me into uh, hunting and fishing when I was old enough to walk, like my first picture is me not my first picture but first like outdoorsy picture I had those big orange swimmies on my arms and I was holding up a fish at the beach (laughs) so it's yeah so fishing was definitely my like pride and joy all all through my childhood uh got into whitetails when I was probably in middle school and um uh yeah so I always had awesome private land access with my family here um and my, my granddad developed properties. So he was always buying, you know, big chunks of land and I would hunt them for a season or two and then he'd sell them and develop them. And then now it's like, you know, Walmart and a subdivision and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of my, my hunting background. I, uh, moved to, to Missouri for school, um, just after high school into college and, uh, and that's where we connected. Um, and out there, I, I, we were just talking a minute ago. I, I didn't really get into the hunting scene in Missouri. Um, I wish I had, but it was just, you know, a couple quick years and uh, did a little fly fishing while I was out there, but didn't really get into the hunting scene. Um, and then ended up taking a uh, position as an intern at a church in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, straight out of uh, straight out of college. And uh, that's kind of been my, my career path is, is in ministry. So worked for that church for a while. And then I helped start a church in Colorado, which is what got me out there. Uh, met my wife out there, lived there for about three years. Um, and it was like year three when I finally figured out the, the elk hunting. Um, it was like, it literally took off three years. The first year, you know, it was like figuring out all the rules and regulations and uh where i could hunt what season i could hunt and beyond that like where the elk were and stuff like that and because it was just so much different you know with whitetails i didn't even need 
uh, a hunting license with my family owning the property. I literally just, you know, if it's within two generations in Virginia, you don't need any license or anything. So I would just go hunt. So it was a big learning curve for me in Colorado. And uh, it was probably, uh, that was like 2012, 13, 14. Uh, and that's probably what took my um, hunting kind of to the next level. So I think I was probably like a casual uh, hunter all you know, growing up just because it was easy. I mean, you know, whitetails and squirrels on private land was pretty easy for me. Um, and then in Colorado, I was just, you know, trying to figure out where I could go and what season I could hunt and all that. So, um, anyway, so I was out there for three years and then, uh, took a job in Raleigh. Um, long story short, that wasn't the right fit for me. And, uh, we moved, up to Virginia. My dad had uh, some room in a house and moved up here and it was going to be a temporary move. We were actually looking for uh, jobs out West again. We were looking in Montana and Colorado and uh, even like we, we looked as far West as Washington state and uh, a door opened to work for a church here in my hometown. So that's been about four years now, I think. Wow. So, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of moving but it's it's always cool when you can go to a new state and kind of explore the outdoors and yeah you know i had that same learning curve with elk hunting and big game hunting in general mm -hmm. like just trying to buy the license I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I i showed up the first year and i think we moved out there in july and mm -hmm. so i go to get a license for elk hunting i'm like holy cow i can hunt an elk for 39 dollars <laughs> right super pumped and I go to Walmart and I'm like, Hey, uh, I need an elk license. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of looked at me like, you've never done this before. Have you <laughs> like, uh, do you have a driver's license? So I gave them my license and they're like, mm -hmm. are you a resident? And I'm like, yeah. And they go, no, uh, you actually don't have a Colorado driver's license. And so you need like two forms of ID and like pay stubs or whatever dating six mm -hmm. months back in order to prove residency and I'm like so wait I can't hunt as a resident and it's like no you can't unfortunately <laughs> yeah. non-resident and I was like okay how much is a non-resident elk license and they're like oh like 650 bucks and I was like <laughs> holy cow all right not doing that this year yeah I went right away and got a license anyways all that to say trying to figure out how to hunt in Colorado not having mm. been there never hunting there before that was a pain yeah but For once sure. figured out, then it, they, they make it very specific, but it's not difficult once you actually learn the process. So. For sure. Have you, so when you were out in Colorado, did you have any success, uh, big game hunting? I successfully launched an arrow at a bull elk okay. and hit a tree limb. <laughs> Bummer. So, yeah. So that was, uh, that was year three. It, I had a very similar experience to you year one. I, you know, learned that you could buy an elk tag for, for 40 bucks and it was like the over the counter uh, archery tag and it covered a range of units. So I grabbed that tag and ran out in the woods and, uh, I was like, you know, walking all around, like I had a little cow call I was calling. I didn't do hardly any research at all. And, uh, fast forward a couple of years, I realized I was literally like miles from where the elk were. <laughs> um the first year and then yeah second year was like I mean I just researched like crazy and um you know kind of figured out a little more about elk habitat and their migration patterns and stuff like that so year three it was the week before my wedding um I I got out it was literally like I don't know 20 minutes from where I got married to uh got out and um yeah first thing in the morning my buddy and I were out there and we heard, you know, a couple of remote bugles off in the distance. So we just kind of picked one and made our way towards it and uh, got over this one Ridge. And we just heard like, you know, just raking down in the, at the bottom of this Ridge. So I got set up in a shooting lane and my buddy was behind me calling and had a couple little spikes walk through at like 30 yards. And I was shooting up to like 50 in that season. So I was like, you know, 30, I felt super comfortable. Um, and so 
another like a cow came through at like 15 yards and I was like tempted to shoot her because it was a chip shot and I had never killed an elk before but I was like I don't know that one bull is definitely down there and all of a sudden he comes through yeah (laughs) yeah so so yeah he came through at at 30 yards right behind those spikes and uh so I'm I'm drawn I felt comfortable like I was you know obviously my adrenaline was pumping but I was just you know keeping my pin on his heart and the second he stepped into an opening, I let the arrow fly and missed. And I was like, how in the world did I miss? And I look up and this little branch is just shaking up and down. Oh, no. so, and then I had to, you know, we, we chased a few more that day, but then I had to get serious about my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, right? Yeah. 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 And then we moved to Raleigh like the week after the wedding. So, okay. um, Still, still no, uh, no luck, but I did get into, uh, pheasants in Colorado, uh, had a lot of success with pheasants. Um, and my first turkey hunt was in Colorado. Um, so, uh, chasing Merriam's. Did you go into the mountains or did you go more? Yeah. Yeah. On the mountains. Yep. The Merriam's. Um, so yeah, with those, I literally, so I was going to these expos in Colorado. Um, I was still, you know, kind of a bachelor and, um, I just had a lot of free time. So I was fishing and going to these expos and getting into the hunting scene out there. Um, so at one of the expos, I, you know, there were like some booths set up specifically for turkeys and I'd always like had an interest, but I never really like around here. I never had the um, access. I like, didn't know anything about public land growing up. Uh, and my family just didn't have any good, like Turkey spots. Um, so I just never got into it, but I was always interested, you know, when I would see Turkey hunting on TV. Uh, so at these expos, uh, I just would chat with a few people and they talked about, you know, the, uh, birds up in the mountains or the, you know, the Rio's out on the plains. And, uh, so I decided I was going to do it. I was, I was like, it's a perfect, kind of off season hunt for me. Um, and so I literally went on Google and typed in, how do you Turkey hunt? And, uh, so I started, you know, reading all these different strategies. I mean, everybody's got like their, you know, different ways of Turkey hunting. And, um, but I, I essentially, I just grabbed like, what were the things that were like a consensus with all of these people? Like some people had a preference of like, you know, their specific setups or, you know, like how they approach a gobble, like a, a Tom that's gobbling and different things like that. But like generally everybody had these like specific things that were, that they agreed on. And so I just kind of like chose those things, did some, you know, scouting on the maps and found an area that I thought they might be. So I get out there and the first morning I ended up calling a hen in, and that's what got me like pumped about going back. Cause I was like, man, like I literally like this hen came because I was calling. Um, and that's the first time I'd ever had like an interaction with an animal like that. Um, you know, I, I grunted at bucks or like rattled bucks in, but, uh, to like, I don't know, kind of speak their language was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and so I went back the next week and called in six Jake's, and literally had them at like 15 yards. I had my finger on the trigger, safety off, but I didn't know if I was allowed to shoot a Jake or not. I didn't research enough to know, so I didn't shoot them. And then when I researched, when I got back, I realized I could have. So, um, but yeah, never actually ended up shooting one out there. Um, I didn't get, I didn't shoot my first turkey until a few years ago here. So nice, man. That's, it, it sounds like just from like going out and trying it, you've had some good success, obviously having Jake's in that you could have shot, um, yeah. shot at a bull elk. Like I know people in Colorado that have been hunting with their bows for like 15 years and have never shot at an elk yet. And yeah. I'm like, geez, that's crazy. And then when I, when I researched and look at, looked at the numbers, cause I was debating like, do I archery or rifle hunt out mm-hmm. in Colorado? And I was like, archery is going to be way more challenging based on the numbers. It's like 3% have success out in Colorado mm-hmm. with a bow. And so I was like, listen, I'm going to go out, try to figure out elk hunting with my rifle for a couple of years, and then I'll go back and bow hunt. 
And, uh, but man, to be able to get a shot opportunity in year three, that's awesome. And I don't know, there's something awesome about like learning a new way of hunting. Yeah. I mean, I the same, the same as you, like just whitetail hunting all the time. Mm -hmm. Didn't really know anything about pheasant hunting, learned about waterfowl hunting after a couple of years of deer hunting. Um, but like, I mean, from the time I was born to the time I could hunt myself, like all I knew was whitetail hunting. Yeah. And then going out to Colorado, I'm like, wait a minute. Like I live here now and all I have to do is go and buy a tag and I can mm -hmm. go kill an elk. This is awesome. In my mind, it was a huge trophy hunt and it was going to cost thousands of dollars. And then mm -hmm. it turns out even as a non-resident, you can do it for under a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we started, you started telling me a story about a deer on the wall behind you, a Sika deer. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I kind of cut you off because I was like, man, I need to be recording this. This is all good content. Um, <laughs> so tell me about that. You said you were actually out hunting for them and you found yeah. Mm hmm So, um, yeah, super randomly, I was on Zillow one day and uh, my wife and I, we've been talking about buying a house on the Bay. Um, where we're at is central Virginia. So we're like 45 minutes from the Bay. Um, and then like we're right in the mountains and then ocean is a couple hours. So pretty cool spot. Um, but we've been talking about a Bay house. So I was looking on Zillow and I pulled up, I went over to the Eastern shore, which the Eastern shore to get there, it's really not that far, but to get there, you have to go all the way down, hit the bridge and come all the way up. Um, and so anyway, one of the places that I looked at said that they had Sika deer. And this was before the uh, mediator episode came out, which like got everybody fired up about them. <laughs> but I was actually, um, yeah, yeah. I was actually bitter that that came out. Cause I was like, man, I'm like just getting into them and now everyone knows about them. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I, I saw on that Zillow listing, they had a uh, Sika deer on the property and I was like, what in the world is a Sika deer? <laughs> so I looked it up and uh, found out, you know, it's that Japanese like mini elk that they uh, introduced to uh, an Island off Astatigue. And, um, they kind of made their way down into, well, they're in like Delaware, Maryland and Virginia on the Eastern shore. Um, and there was a place called Chincoteague Island where you could legally hunt them in Virginia. And so my hunting uh, license covers being able to hunt over there. Uh, and they're actually like depop tags. So they, it's like an extra tag that they give you for free. So you can shoot, you know, your, I think we get like three three bucks and two does or it could be, it's like two bucks and then an either or, and then two does something like that in Virginia. And then um, like a bear and some turkeys <laughs> with our uh, license purchase. So, but those are extra. So you can do all of your, you know, animals and have the uh, extra seek a deer tags. Um, so yeah, we went, we went for the first time, a buddy and me uh, two years ago and it was day one, like, you know, we had researched a little bit, but there really wasn't much information on these things. Um, so we got out there and day one, the first afternoon, I'm uh, in the tree stand and uh, these things like bugle, like elk, they just have like a little high pitch bugle. So I'm, I have this little uh, cow elk call and the pitch of the elk of the cow elk call was the same pitch as the bugle for these Sika deer. So I would use the cow elk call and bugle like these little uh, Sika deer and I would have them respond to me. So, uh, so yeah, so the first evening I'm calling and they were calling back and I realized every time they bugled, they always bugled in a sequence of three so I would just do the same thing. And this one was like fired up and it was getting late. And we were like really far North in this unit and you had to be out before the gate closed. So even though it was talking, we were like, man, we just got to get out of here and go with, you know, daylight still left. 
So we get out of this, I get out of the tree and all of a sudden this thing bugles like 50 yards away from me. I was like, Oh my gosh. So I get just like behind this or I get like in front of this big pine tree and I can hear him walking. So I just draw and he walks right in like 20 yards away. And I I shot him first evening and, uh, I heard him crash in this thick stuff. So I was like, oh, my gosh, fired up, went and got my buddy. Uh, but the dilemma that we were faced with, and uh, this is a, actually probably a good talking point, but it was like the uh, lows for the night were like in the 60s. And we were an hour from the gate, and the gate closed in an like hour and like 15 minutes. So – the dilemma we were faced with was do we push now and try to recover this thing with, you know, and harvest it or do we wait until tomorrow? And with the high, you know, with the temps being so high, the meat's most likely going to spoil overnight. So uh, anyway, we said, well, the only way we can really uh, recover this animal successfully is to push and try to make it happen tonight. So we did, we could hear it pushing, but the stuff is so thick in there. We ended up pushing them and losing them and um, kind of a sad story to my first uh, seek a kill. But yeah. um, so never, never recovered him. Went back and tried to find him, but uh, he just got, I mean, it gets like marshy in there. So blood trails after you push them into the water, it gets tricky. Um, yeah, that's what I understand about them. They love like wetland areas yeah mm-hmm. which seems crazy to me i'm like yeah i've i've dragged a lot of deer out of the woods mm-hmm. i can't imagine trying to drag a deer like that through a swamp <laughs> yeah yeah i think that the good thing is that they're tiny so um i mean they're like half the size of a whitetail so um so that makes it easy but i mean this like to get to them it's like crazy thick stuff like over like it's not it's not for the faint of heart for sure and now we're in uh i think actually this was year i think it was year it was year two i think um and and so yeah so far we're uh we're unsuccessful with harvesting one they call them the the marsh ghosts because they're so elusive and um kind of have you know that eerie bugle out in the marsh (laughs) um can you imagine not knowing that those are out there and just yeah, like, yeah. exploring out there at night? And all of a sudden right. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, yeah, that was, so in addition to these sea deer on Chikatig, they have uh, wild horses. So Dang. it was the most unique hunting experience I've ever had in my life. So I'm in the tree stand and I'm looking at the ocean from where I'm at wild horses are walking around and you can hear these mini elk bugling. It was like the most unique thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. I don't have a ton of listeners because you just like intrigue people. So <laughs> you'd have yeah. pressure and competition. <laughs> I know. Well, to kind of play the advocate to that, uh, like I said, it's like crazy thick. It, like, when we hunt them, um, it's usually their, their, uh, rut is during like, like October. Yeah. Pretty much in October. And so it's, it's warm there. And man, this year we went and the bugs were so bad. Like you're in this, I mean, you're in the marsh. So we, I've never had bugs as bad as we had there. And I got into the tree stand the first morning and it's like, you know, sunrise. So it's not even like the heat of the day yet, but we get up there and the bugs were so bad. I literally climbed straight out of the stand and I was like, I can't even be in this tree right now. And I, you know, sit through a lot of stuff. Um, so we drove to Walmart during lunch and got the, uh, I forget what they're called. The little mosquito repellent, uh, machines. Yeah. Yeah. The thermocells just because we were like, I mean, it was unbearable. So it, it like, we're going, we're going back every year cause it's fun. It's a challenge. It's, you know, unique. Uh, but it's definitely not a hunt for the faint of heart. 
Man, it does sound like a good time. I might have to uh, come see what it's all about someday. Yeah, man. That can be our hunt. Come on out. Yeah. Have you uh, have you been back to Colorado since moving? Or, like, have you hunted or fished back out in Colorado since moving back? Yeah, I have. Uh, so, every year, my, my wife's family lives out there. So, we usually go back for Thanksgiving or Christmas each year. Okay. And uh, pheasant season is during, you know, both. So... Um, so I definitely get on pheasants and now with the new setup of how you have to buy your license, you either have to buy your spring Turkey, uh, I think, or fishing slash small game or something like that. Or you gotta get, you have to have an active tag, like for a Turkey or like you said, I think you have to buy an annual small game tag. It can't yeah. be a seven day or anything. Right. Yeah. I just got so, in the mail like two days ago. Okay. Cause I'll be going back out there, but it's like, even to get preference points or anything, you have to get yeah. a small game tag. Right. Right. So. so yeah, so that's what, so I've been getting my preference points each year. And, uh, so I'll get my small game license to get the preference points. And then when I'm out there for Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'll go pheasant hunt. I've got a little Brittany Spaniel. So she's all over the birds. Nice. So it's good. We're, uh, yeah, it's good to get her some exercise while we're staying with family out there. So, yeah. So you've um, got trained for pheasant hunting. Yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I have got a spot for you. Yeah. You want to go? I mean, it's not in the right direction for either of us, but it's <laughs> Johnson, and there are pheasants everywhere. Wow. This valley that we hunt, um, pheasants forever does like population stuff, and it's mm-hmm. basically a repopulation area for pheasants, this whole Mm. valley. And I kid you not, like there's days where I'm up there deer hunting in the fall. Um, Mm. I always go back for rifle season, which is the week of Thanksgiving. And I'll be driving down this dirt road through the valley. And there's times where I'll have a dozen roosters all down the valley, like just sprinting across the road back and forth. And I've just, I've never had a dog to pheasant hunt with. And so it was just, it was like me, my brother, and my cousin. <laughs> we were the dogs for my uncle, and we would just like zigzag through a corn. He'd walk the edge of it, trying to shoot anything that flew. Oh up. man! Yeah, that's, that's awesome. fun to to get an actual dog out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's cool. It's uh, we bought her when we lived in Raleigh, and uh, I had I had always wanted a bird dog. Um, well, mostly since I got into pheasants and my wife's only stipulation was that it couldn't be too big and it couldn't shed. So I found a Brittany, which is like 40 pounds and a light shutter. (laughs) And, uh, but man, it's crazy. She's so instinctual with, uh, you know, we get out there like I, you know, I don't train her as much as I should. Um, you know, some people are training like every day or every week. Um, and, uh, we do some stuff. Usually it's like, we're about to go to Colorado. So I'll like, take her out in the field and, you know, make sure she's handling. Okay. Um, but man, when we get out there, it's like, she knows she was bred to do that. It's crazy. That's awesome. Is does she point? Yeah. Uh huh. Sweet. I didn't know if Brittany's were more pointers or flushers. I had a, my cousin had a lab, a black lab. It was the smallest black lab I'd ever, I mean, it was like 30 pounds or 40 pounds full. And that's where she got, but she was a pointing lab and oh, wow. like just out of nowhere, they tried to take her out pheasant hunting. And one of the first birds she got on, she just froze and like pointed perfectly. <sighs> and they're like, no way. This is awesome. We just thought step them out and flush them up for us. But That's sweet. There's something about having a dog to use like as a tool and kind of a hunting buddy and getting yeah. out. I've been trying to talk my wife into letting me get a dog and she- <laughs> life settles down a little bit <laughs> yeah we'll see when that is <laughs> um so you just recently had success turkey hunting right yeah was that in yeah. virginia it was yep so so yeah last week or might have been a week and a half ago i shot my first public land turkey mm-hmm. um i when i got back to virginia i started um connecting with a few people that had, uh, some, you know, b- better turkey habitat on their land. 
and they gave me permission to hunt. So for two years in a row, I was able to harvest a turkey um, on their property. And uh, that was awesome. It was, I mean, my first bird, I pretty much cried when I shot him. I was like, man, this is sweet. <laughs> and I, it was funny because I had never killed a turkey. So I had no idea how to like size them or anything. Like, obviously, you know, like a longer beard is good. That's pretty much all I knew. So uh, when I shot him, it was this one right behind my head here. Uh, the beard is 11 and a quarter uh-huh. and the spurs are an inch and a half. And um, I was just like, Oh sweet. Got a Turkey. And like, I was happy with it. <laughs> and then it wasn't until later on, I realized, wow, that was actually a decent little bird. Um, I just ran into the same, that same type of scenario. Mm-hmm. I shot my biggest Turkey last year. Okay. And I didn't know anything about measurements, like what's mm-hmm. long beard what's a short beard or long spurs or how heavy is it supposed to weigh yeah. or how much is it supposed to weigh? And, um, I shot a Turkey recently here in Missouri mm-hmm. and I went to pick it up and I was like, this is the heaviest bird I've ever seen. <laughs> then yeah. I started looking at like, what, what's a record weight for a Turkey? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this might beat that record. Like it was <laughs> so heavy and wow. buddy shot one also. So I like held them side by side. I'm like, this bird is almost 10 pounds heavier than his. And he was like, dude, we need to figure this out. So anyways, yeah. I'm doing all this research, trying to figure out how to accurately get one weighed, how to get it mm-hmm. officially weighed and scored. And yeah. I came across an article about uh, Missouri's beard, like the record beard length for a turkey in Missouri. And mm-hmm. it was 11 and a half inches. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I was like, my bird last year that I shot, I shot a bird last year that had 11 and 7 eighths inch beard. Wow. And I mean, everybody was like, dude, that's insane. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, yeah thanks. Cool. Well, I, <laughs> I never even remotely thought about going and getting it officially. Right. And now I look back and I'm like, dude, I had, I had beat the record by almost a half inch. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I can still do it. I have the beard. And, yeah. um, but I think some of the hairs have fallen out, but I think it would still beat the record. Yeah. I have no way of proving <laughs> that. Like I shot this in Missouri. Right. right. <laughs> got pictures of it, I guess. I don't know. Uh-huh. But that's crazy. Yeah. yeah that was, Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that was similar to me. I, so when I, um, harvested it, I, you know, obviously I've got the beard and the spurs still. And, um, the weight I, I did the whole like bathroom scale thing where you, you know, stand on it yourself, then you hold it and stand on it. And it came out to, um, it was like 31 or 32 pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, but like, that was very unofficial. Like I, it was just on the bathroom scale and I did it like five times and it was the same every time. And I even like set the bird on it, you know, just did it different ways. And it kept coming out to whatever I can't remember. I have it written down, but it was 31 or two. And, um, then I, you know, I actually was thinking about mounting it just because it was my first Turkey. I've, you know, it, it was just a fun experience. Um, and I was debating back and forth and finally I was like, I just need to clean this thing and eat it. And, uh, I just don't have time to, you know, play around with this. So then I entered the, um, measurements in on the, uh, uh, the official Turkey, thing i don't know <laughs> i don't even know what it's called <laughs> yeah yeah okay. uh and if if the weight is correct which again like i have zero clue of if it was right or not but if it was you know the 30 something pounds then it would have been the state record bird here but geez but i mean it's hard to tell it could have been 25 pounds i don't know <laughs> well once i started like i i weighed this one here on my buddy's fish scale. Yeah. And it's like, you know, one of those tiny fish scales that's about the size of this walk. And uh-huh. I trap it to it and I'm like holding it up and I'm like, okay, this bird's like 25 pounds, mm-hmm. which is about a pound and three quarters shy of the state record. And I'm yeah. like, man, it could still be the state record. This is a piece of crap scale. Like, <laughs> right. Leave this thing I wanted so badly for it to be. <laughs> and I told myself if I weighed it on his scale and it came out to be more, then I mm. would get it officially done. 
but yeah. I called like 15 different people trying to figure out exactly how I had to have it done or where to mm. go. I was like, can I go to the department of conservation here? Can I go to like an education center? Can I go mm. to like, is there an NWTF office? And everybody was like, Oh, I'll refer you to this person and this person. And so like the whole way here, I'm calling all these people. <laughs> and I found out that in order to get it officially scored or weighed, you have to have um, a certified state scale. So you mm-hmm. can get like a lot of uh, feed stores have them like uh, scales, but you have to be an NWTF member and you have to have two other NWTF members present as witnesses for the weigh. Wow in order to get it officially scaled or officially scored. So now I know for next year or for yeah. later this week, if I shoot another turkey. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything with turkeys like, uh, you know, with, with, uh, if you shoot a buck to, for it to be official, you have to wait for it to dry and everything. Not that I know. turkeys. I think you can yeah. go and because, uh, They've got a ton of different scores and they, when I talked to a lady at the Missouri NWTF office, she was like, Hey, this is, you know, there's exceptional birds. There's mm-hmm. like out of the ordinary birds. I don't remember the phrases, but basically she's like oh, yeah. a beard length in excess of 11 inches. Like that's an exceptional bird. Mm-hmm. It's got, if it weighs more than 26 pounds, that's an exceptional bird. Mm-hmm. If fur length is greater than like an inch and three quarters, it's an except. I mean, she just went through like this mm-hmm. whole list of things. She's like, so if any of those things apply or if it has multiple beards, like definitely mm-hmm. record it and have witnesses. And then, you know, it's just a cool story to share. Yeah. And so, sure. I mean, I just got to share it with a couple of buddies of mine here, but yeah, <laughs> for sure. If, I mean, I've seen people who have shot, birds with like six to eight beards mm-hmm. and I've never done that personally um I yeah. know a few people who have had multiple beard birds but there's a whole nother scoring deal with that like there's a record for total beard length if you measure all of the beards and add them together oh yeah <laughs> I'm like I wish it was like deer where I could just take it somewhere you could tell me <laughs> hey good job this is what it scored perfect right. just one number that's all I need yeah exactly Maybe you should start doing with turkeys. You add up the beard length, spur length, and the weight, and that'll give you a number, maybe around like 40-something. And then you could say, hey, look, if I've got a – if my turkey scored 40 or 43, like now Mm – Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then the uh... (laughs) – We can just start that, you and I. Let's just do it. That's how how it's going to be for everyone (laughs) – from now, on. now on, everyone will buy <laughs> both spurs, the beards, and the weight. That's your score. Total, total of everything. And then tiebreaker will be like the hunting public where they measure the length of the bird. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> length of the bird. Yeah. Man, I feel like we should be running the NWTF right now. I don't know why we're not. I mean, <laughs> it makes the most sense to me. <laughs> here i'm saying that and i've got like three turkeys under my belt (laughs) for a few years and that's about it (laughs) getting better i've had some pretty decent success i had a similar story though Uh, i shot a jake the Mm -hmm. first year and i didn't even know if it was legal to shoot a jake but i also didn't know that what i was shooting was a jake Uh, oh yeah so brad we went to college with him uh, I was hunting with him and he, we were walking through the woods behind his turkey decoy because mm-hmm. we knew there were turkeys in the woods and they weren't coming out to a call at all. So we're just like creeping yeah. around behind this turkey decoy. And he was like, dude, stop. There's a, there's a Tom right there. And I mean, grass is like up to here on the turkey. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, where? And he's like, the one on the left, that's a Tom. And I was like, sure. And he goes, I'm sure it had a beard. I saw it. So I <laughs> And just shoot this thing. And I mean, we were only like 20 or 25 yards from it, but yeah. I could see um, below the neck mm-hmm. and get up to it. And the beard was like <laughs> long. Yeah. Hey, dude, it's a legal bird. And I'm like, oh, it is good. <laughs> Real glad I didn't just shoot an illegal bird. Oh, man. That's funny. I would have pinned it on him for sure. And exactly. Yeah. Told the DNR that he's the one who shot it. <laughs> He could take it. I know, Brad. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. He'd he'd play it off, or he'd <laughs> a pet that he just butchered, or something like that. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was I I forgot I didn't finish the story of my public bird. Um, so the, the so last year I kind of lost access to the the private land, and I decided, you know, I mean the best next steps was public land. And I've been, it's been a goal of mine to shoot a, a nice buck on public land too. So um, I've been really tapping into the public land scene around here. Um, and uh, so anyway, so last year I started hunting at this wildlife management area and um, found some birds. I was on birds last year. Uh, I probably had two opportunities that I should have capitalized on, but um, it just, just, for whatever reason, just didn't make it happen. Um, so this year I got out there and day one, I'm hunt- it was opening day. I was out there and, uh, I heard some turkeys gobbling, you know, got within probably a hundred yards or so and they flew off the roost and they're coming right in. Uh, but they, they would like gobble, you know, a certain direction. And then I would be set up facing them. I wasn't using any decoys or anything, but I would be facing them. And then all of a sudden they would gobble more to my left. So then I would like turn and just be ready for them to come in. And then they would gobble to my right. And so they just like kept doing that back and forth. And so, um, so the last place that I heard them like very close, probably within 50 yards, I'm, you know, pointed that direction. The problem is right next to me, I had a sapling. And so every time I I moved, I had to like lift my gun up to get around the sapling. So, um, so I'm aiming and then like last second, I hear them walking to my left. So I was like, shoot, they're coming right into the left. So I swung because I hadn't, I still didn't see them. I swung around and they, they saw me, they were like 15 yards right there and busted me. Um, but it was really early on. So I got right back in there, uh, a week later and, um, I got further above them this time. And I think it was one of the same, there were two toms that morning. I think it was one of the same ones because they were roosted almost in the same tree. Um, so I get set up, they're gobbling on the roost. Uh, and then like six thirty, it's just dead quiet, nothing. Um, and you know, a little time goes by probably 20 minutes or so. And there's still like, you know, nothing's going on. So I, I just assumed they got hinned up right off the roost. So I decided to move to a different part of this uh, property uh, where I had heard some other birds, like, you know, at first light moved over there uh, probably, you know, a hundred yards away and I'm um, calling and all of a sudden, like right where I just was sitting that, one of the toms fired back up. So I was like, shoot, he's back there. So then I moved closer. Uh, and anyway, between six, like 15, whenever he gobbled for the first time. And, uh, and when I shot him, he only gobbled four times total. Um, so the last place that I had heard him, I, you know, start moving that direction and I sit down and for probably 20 or 30 minutes I did, you know, I, I called and, you know, I would just like do a little light calling and just wait for, you know, for a while. And then I would, you know, do a couple little clucks here and there. Um, and he just wasn't, I just wasn't hearing anything like nothing was happening. So I just decided to creep further, you know, kind of closer towards where I heard him last. And all of a sudden I catch movement through the woods at like 75 yards away. So I had no like good cover around me. I literally just got on my stomach. So I'm like in army crawl position and he's like full strut coming right in. Like, I think he heard me walking and assumed I was the hen. So he's coming right at me. So I didn't make any noise. I just laid there on the ground and he came all the way into like 35 yards and was able to seal the deal on him. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun hunt for sure. Is there a lot of, is turkey hunting in Virginia a pretty big thing? Like, do a lot of people do it there? It's, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not nearly as big as whitetail hunting. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's definitely a pretty big thing. Okay. Um, there are a lot of turkeys up in the mountains. I think every, like, 
every county's got a Turkey Ridge road and <laughs> like Turkey hollow or, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a, uh, been a thing for a long time. I think deer, white tails and black bears are probably like the two, like top, uh, animals hunted, but then turkeys will be close behind probably. Okay. Yeah. I've never, I've never done any turkey hunting on public land. I actually got a, I've got a turkey fan. I don't know if you know what that is. Like the, it's basically an umbrella with a turkey printed on the front of it. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like open it up and you can, I mean, at like a squat, you can basically fit behind the whole thing. It's nice way oversized turkey in my yeah. mind, like if there's a turkey out here and it sees something <laughs> coming it's taken off like it doesn't want to get right. but um i got one of those and luckily i hunt on public or private land here because mm -hmm. uh, i've heard so many stories of people using like the scoot and shoot decoys on yeah. public, and all of a sudden they just get blasted by another yeah. and sure. i heard a lot of people doing what you were doing like moving closer and closer, trying to get mm -hmm. a better position for a turkey that's not moving. And they'll like yeah. all the way over there. And all of a sudden it's another hunter just right. trying to follow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I've gone like to the extreme with that because, uh, you know, like I'll be out there and I'll hear, uh, an actual hen and I'll just assume it's a person. Yeah. And so like, at least last year, at least like three or four times I did this where I, you know, made the assumption that it was a person yep. because honestly it didn't sound very good, yep. but <laughs> it was, I like busted the hen cause I would have been falling out there. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gives me a little confidence with my calling because I'm like, if that actual hen sounded that bad, then I feel like I'm not too bad. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Like I hear people calling different animals and I'm like, man, that does not sound good. And then I'm out of the wild and I'll hear, like, I'll hear a buck grunt Yeah, in the woods behind me and it'll grunt. And I'm just like, is there another hunter like on this property? <laughs> right. no, it's an actual buck, but they just, they'll make the weirdest noises. I've heard the same mm -hmm. thing. Like yeah. a little bugle. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that is that's the weirdest bugle. And then I'll get within of it. Like there was one really cool spot. It was, it was way up on a mountain, but it was overlooking. Like a, you could see a highway way in the distance mm -hmm. and right on the other side of the highway, all of the elk would hang out because yeah. it was private land. They had no pressure and the public land hunters would push them over there. And yeah. I just kept hearing this bugle. And I'm like, man, that has got to be on our side of the road. <sighs> if so, we're going after it. And we get out there and we start glassing and we can see this elk bugling. And it sounded like someone was like kicking it in the throat <laughs> bugling. It would like be broken up and it would go to raspy and then back to like a really clean bugle. And I thought for sure it was a hunter trying to practice from his car. Yeah. <laughs> it was real one. That's so funny. We, uh, we also had some people in a blind it was the same field, but like the field was divided for leasing. And so like we were hunting corn and they were hunting basically just a plowed field. Um, but mm -hmm. we were in pits and they would all to these geese in the mornings. And I'm like, Oh my God, it, that sounded like an elk. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, you got to cut that out. But <laughs> because for, I think we had 13 straight hunts where we limited out on geese. In okay. And wow an eight man pit. And so it was like, we killed a ton of birds out of it. Um, but every day we would shoot our limits and then they'd pick up like four or five that we would like, if we winged it, they'd like yeah. cruise over to their spread and then they'd, <laughs> and so yeah. funny, they were kind of picking up our table scraps, but that's funny. Sounds like they would do really well after the fact. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, so I live like, uh, Hey, come say hi. Come take a look. Out here. Holy shit. <laughs> dude. Brad, what's up, dude? Oh, nice. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> We're talking all about turkey hunting. Nice. And bad calling. Right on. 
yeah, I've got, uh, I've got five acres here and it's, uh, the first year it was really good because there was a lot on like the other side that my dad also, my dad owned that lot. And, uh, so they would bed over there and circle through. And, uh, I shot, uh, uh, like a three and a half year old deer. He, he was, um, it was a good one for like this small lot. Yeah. And, um, but then the next year he sold the lot and, um, so I, it's like so sporadic, like the first year, every single morning, these deer, it was like a bachelor or it was like a group of, uh, of bucks, probably four or five bucks. They would all come through every single morning at, uh, like right at sunrise. It was like, they were either there five minutes before legal light or like within that time and five minutes after illegal light started, uh, and finally, I mean, I hunted them like 10 times and I could hear them like underneath of my stand right before legal light, but I couldn't see them. And uh, finally it timed out one morning to where I was able to shoot them. So it's always frustrating when you're like, they are yeah. right here. I just can't tell what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say it's, I knew like I had those, you know, four deer on my camera so, and, and they were, the pattern was the same every morning. So I knew it was them. It was just a matter of like, I needed them to stay around another like five minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, once you get them patterned with the camera and then you can hang a stand right yeah. or, you know, they're just in front of your stand all the time. Right. That's the best. I, uh, I had a bunch of deer and they would cross different parts of the fence every morning. Um, but I got out there. I remember I hunted there all bow season and then rifle season started and I got out there opening morning and mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my stand and I had put a doe decoy out in front of my stand, like 30 yards out, covered it in like estrus scent. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear just a stampede of deer coming through the woods. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And yeah. it's right at that point where you can't quite see. Yeah. You can just make out a silhouette here and there. Mm -hmm. and I hear them right underneath my stand. They all <laughs> jump the fence right under my stand. And I can oh, just see the silhouette out in front of me at about 20 yards. And they <laughs> all walked and kind of like did a half circle around the doe decoy kind of. Oh, uh, and then they just kept going down the field. And I'm like, dude, I don't I have no idea what they were. <laughs> yeah. Bucks. I'm guessing it was quite a few bucks because, yeah. you know, I haven't had any does come and sniff my doe. Mm -hmm. But I always have bucks come into it. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I'm gonna have to get you out here uh, doing some hunting soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. The property, some of the property that Brad and I hunt, it's like 230 acres just outside wow. of town, and there's yeah. deer and turkey. We saw geese and blue wing teal this morning. Wow. There's a fishing pond. I mean, it's yeah it's for everything. That'd be awesome. So if you ever come well, back we'll get out and do some hunting yeah well we um when we'd go out for you know either thanksgiving or christmas we're always driving out because we bring, bring our dog so um i'll gladly swing through for an evening hunt or a morning hunt or something and yeah that would be awesome cruising yeah if you're coming through around christmas time i think uh archery season is still open oh sweet so i've got plenty of tree stands and spots to go out and sit and uh we've had some pretty pretty big deer out there in the past couple of years awesome so yeah a lot of fun yeah that's great same here if you uh want to make a trip to virginia we can chase seek a deer or i've got uh i'm slowly gaining access to different properties now that i'm locked in here for a while so <laughs> yeah. is it is it pretty good or is virginia pretty good with public land like do they have a lot of it or is it kind of uh, spread it's not bad. I think there's like 2 million acres, um, okay. spread out. So, um, so not bad. I'm figuring it out. The, the, uh, national forest has some like monster bucks in there, but they're so spread out. I mean, um, the problem that we have in Virginia is the lack of like, uh, forest management. So okay. they used to, do a lot of, you know, timber cutting or burns and the last like 
whatever that administration was that that stopped all the logging companies. Oh yeah. Ago, that like really, I mean, since then our like grouse populations dropped, quail, deer up in the mountains, like all of the numbers are dropping like crazy. Um, just because there's no new growth, you know, there's nowhere for them to, to no cover, no understory feed, nothing. Right. So the state is doing a lot of the, um, uh, like management areas. So, uh, where I shot my Turkey, there are some fields that they plant and they do burns and they, you know, do like the, uh, long needle pine plantings. And so they have diverse cover and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so those areas are good, but they get hit hard um the national forest there's a ton of land but again they're it's just not managed well so yeah need some uh that's a big talk with the federal government right now is <laughs> getting some funding for that yeah well man it sounds like virginia's kind of got a little bit of everything like hearing about mountain hunting and then yeah. marshland sika deer hunting <laughs> yeah fishing i mean it yeah I like talking to people from different states because like in my mind I have an idea of like this is what that state is like and would I go there to hunt no probably not and then I talk to people like you and I'm like dude that sounds like a hunter's paradise <laughs> yeah right yeah it's uh I definitely took it for granted growing up um you know I just kind of lived here I uh when I moved away I thought I'd never move back uh you know I lived in Charleston South Carolina so I was down on the, uh, I actually lived on a boat in the Charleston Harbor. So I, you know, could drop a crab pot literally from my porch and have fresh crabs every day. I could, you know, take a canoe from my houseboat to go catch redfish right across the, the waterway and, or the intercoastal waterway. And, uh, you know, I mean, just like the, the fishing opportunities were endless down there. Um, and, uh, then I moved from there to uh, Colorado and it's like the fly fishing and the hunting opportunities are endless there. Um, And so between the two, I was like, I'm never coming back to Virginia. Like I'm just, what am I going to hunt the whitetails the rest of my life? (laughs) And uh, now that I'm back up, I mean, we're, we're here. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to like just sit around and do nothing. And my family, my granddad has, has passed away since he did all of the like, uh, you know, property, uh, development and stuff. So there's like one 40 acre lot left, but it's surrounded by literally like 60 something houses, um, which I think it'll be good at some point. But the, the problem that I deal with is trespassers, even like not necessarily hunters. Like some people do sneak in to hunt, but even just like kids walking through, like I've got, you know, plenty of does in there, but the, um, I, like the opportunity to shoot a mature buck with people walking through there is like, you know, pretty non-existent. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you listened to Wired to Hunt at all? Wired to uh, Hunt? Not a ton. I ha- I do know who they are. Yeah. They have a couple um, urban hunt uh, podcasts. Yeah. They talk to people like there's one, one guy who lives in Washington, DC mm. and he hunts urban properties in Washington, DC. Oh, I've seen him specifically. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. I think I think between him and another guy, they've had opportunities at three different two hundred inch deer. That's crazy. And I'm like, holy cow! And then there's another guy that hunts in uh, Atlanta, mm-hmm. of Atlanta, and he has opportunities at big bucks. So I mean, all that today, if you've got forty acres and it's surrounded by houses, there's potential yeah. for a giant deer. Yeah, keep poachers off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. Um, and I, you know, young bucks are there, does are there. Um, but you know how a a mature buck is. I mean, if, if human scent is in the woods, he's going to outsmart the human scent. So, um, so literally just keeping people out of there has been my biggest struggle. So, cause before that, before, so there were always like, you know, 20 or 30 houses, but they just built a new development. And, um, when it was the 20 or 30 houses, I mean, there were always mature bucks in there. Um, but with this new influx of people, it's just going to take a couple of years to, to get people out of there. And, uh, 
it's been a lot of uh, a lot of knocking on doors and telling people it's private property and passing out letters and posting signs and checking cameras and busting people. <laughs> so, uh, but I think after a couple of years, it'll it'll kind of even out. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, forty acres surrounded by houses, they're protected, so uh, it'll it'll definitely happen. Yeah, that'd be. It sounds like it could be a great spot in the future. Yeah. Well, what is uh what does the rest of your year look like as far as hunting? Do you have any big trips planned? Yeah, actually. Uh, so we are <laughs> we're talking about uh, going to Hawaii for nice. our honeymoon or not honeymoon. Gosh, been married five years for our anniversary. Yeah. Um, and the reason Hawaii got brought up, like we've never really had a longing to go to Hawaii itself, but I really want to hunt the free range axis deer in Hawaii. And uh, this is year five for us. So we were like, well, let's do a big trip and uh, combine it with, I'll go out a little early and go hunting. And then, uh, and then my wife will come and we'll have our anniversary trip after that. Um, but yeah, so, so the, the axis deer and, uh, you know, the wild hogs, and then, um, there are a couple of different goat species that you can hunt as well. So, um, so that's, that's, uh, in the talks, we haven't solidified dates or anything. I connected with a guy on social media who he's a native there and he said he would, uh, take me, but it's an Island that you have to apply. And I had missed the deadline to apply. So, uh, so we're talking about potentially next year so that I could go with him or, you know, completely do it yourself on a couple of the other islands. So, uh, or this year. So, uh, so we'll see, but either way, that's in the, that's in the talks for the future. <laughs> that sounds so cool. I, I actually just listened to another episode. I think it was of the wired to hunt podcast and mm-hmm. the guests on that. They were talking about how they can go outside and they can just go hunt hogs. They can hunt axis deer. They can hunt yeah. goats. And I'm like, dude, that in Hawaii, like yeah, in, you know, what I in Hawaii is a bunch of <laughs> speedos and you know, <laughs> right. But be yeah. able to hunting opportunities like that sounds pretty cool. We, yeah. And it's- we did it. We did our five year anniversary trip um, to Alaska and it was oh, wow. a kind of deal. I was like, I want to go to Alaska. I want to hunt. I want to hunt everything in Alaska, but I yeah. was like, like <laughs> hunt is blacktail deer. And so yeah. we were up there for like 10 days, I think. And we hunted, hunted blacktail deer. We did salmon fishing and big sea fishing. And yeah. it was paradise, man. That's awesome. If Hawaii doesn't work. You should check Alaska. <laughs> yeah. We went to Kodiak, but, okay. uh, now I've got more of a reason to go to Hawaii. So I'm going to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's such, so she wants to go. Yeah. It's such an easy pitch to, to wives. Cause it's like, Hey, do you want to go to Hawaii? Also, do you mind if I just slip away for a couple of days just to, yeah. You know. <laughs> I like that. Idea. See, now we just need to plan the trip together. And so that you and I can be like, all right, we're going to split and go hunt. And then the wives aren't right. by themselves the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. Hundred bucks, and <laughs> right. all day, and then we'll go up and exactly fresh pig. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, yeah. I appreciate you being on the show, man. Um, it was awesome connecting, and uh, we're definitely gonna have to plan a couple hunting trips or fishing trips or combinations mm-hmm. to um, coming up. Yeah. So, so I agree. For for people. Um, if anybody wants to kind of like follow your hunting adventures, I know you've got social media. Where can they mm-hmm. find you on there? Yeah, on Instagram, it is uh, my my handle is the outsider. It's got a underscore on each side of it, so underscore the outsider underscore. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably that's where I uh, that's where I put all my outdoor stuff. Nice. I I was uh, posting a lot, and a lot of my normal people could care less what I was posting. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to have an outside specific Instagram. <laughs> nice. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, good. Yeah. And like I said, I appreciate you being on the show. It was awesome to hear all these different hunting stories and uh, mm-hmm. 
we're gonna we're gonna get some trips planned soon and maybe oh, uh, maybe you can teach me about archery hunting for elk because that <laughs> i've not done yet sounds good man yeah it's a fun season but uh sweet well thanks for having me man i appreciate yeah. it awesome connecting again yeah it was uh well take care man and uh yeah. we'll see you later sounds good dan take it easy and that is going to wrap up today's show i hope you all enjoyed listening to neil and hearing from him about what excites him in the outdoors um i definitely had a good time chatting with him but a quick update neil actually went on to fill a second turkey tag um, he actually messaged me that a couple days after we recorded this podcast. And uh, another update, I got some new audio equipment. And so hopefully my audio is going to start sounding better for you guys that are listening. Um, it will be more clean, more clear. It actually has made it a lot more, uh, a lot easier to edit all of my audio. So all that said... Hopefully I can be bringing you guys some better content, some higher quality stuff, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But I did get a couple new cameras as well. I got two Tacticam 5.0s, I believe, and I'm going to be using those to record some hunts coming up because right now it's spring and the fawns are dropping here in Missouri. Also, that means I'm going to be out coyote hunting a lot. So hopefully I can get a couple of those on video and get those posted to YouTube so that you guys can follow along and watch some videos. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.